have a bully inside your head telling you that you're not good enough? Do you lean towards self-defeat? Do you have trouble believing in yourself? And are you dying to learn how to become the perfect version of you? A you that you dream about? If you answered yes, then you're like me, and this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy podcast, where we discuss self-esteem, worthiness, and transformation through a gay lens. I'm your host, Jeremy Long, and I want to share my journey with you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy. Okay, welcome to episode seven of Journey to Worthy podcast. I have a very special guest, one of my very good friends, Hod. Say hello, Hod. Hello. Hello, hello. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about masculinity today. So uh, I'm just curious if you want to tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, let's see where to start. I was born and raised in um, rural New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 43 years old. I uh, had a very strict Christian upbringing mm-hmm. and uh, had kind of a a rocky start to my 20s, but uh, settled into carpentry when I was in my late 20s. Okay. So that sort of became the career path for you? Yes. Cool. And you were a minister, were you That's not? That's right. That yeah. was my rocky start. Rocky start. So um, I just want to let the listeners know, like, the person that's sitting beside me here is very masculine appearing appearing to me, like, muscular, um, bearded. And so this is why, like, we, I think that we have a good um, topic on masculinity here based on, like, sort of where we came from. And then when it comes to your role as a minister, um, I probably that shaped a lot of your ideologies about, you know, homosexuality and about masculinity, perhaps? Mm-hmm. I think it did. Um, my upbringing in general did. But um, because of what um, the denomination that I belonged to believed, I guess it was a very traditional view on what a man should be and what a woman mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... So uh, I'll just like go into how I met you. So we met in maybe 2007, something like that? Uh, yes, or late 2007 or early 2008. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we we met online and started chatting a bit. And for me, definitely like the attraction for you was there because of your image that you portrayed when I met you online. So like you had, um, you were kind of like a bodybuilder and... I just thought that you were really attractive and there was me, this sort of 20 something sort of twinkish guy. And so like for me, I hadn't spent much time in the gym. And so there was kind of like a, in my mind, it was separation between like myself being not very masculine and you appearing to me to be very masculine, but maybe like we should talk about what, what exactly is masculinity? Like, what do you, what do you think the definition of masculinity is? Uh, well, that has changed over the years for me. Mm. <laughs> I think a less mature definition of masculinity would be all of the outward things. Yeah. You know, the depth of someone's voice, um, the size of their physique, um, you know, muscles, definitely, in my opinion, with that beginning maturity level mm-hmm. um, view of masculinity. But as I have grown and gotten older, I think the more important things about masculinity for me are just having an awareness of who you are mm. and wanting to be 
authentic. Uh, I think that that's, that is truly masculinity. Yeah. Sort of that ability to just be your true authentic self mm-hmm. without apologies. Yeah. I, so I think that masculinity is more, more of an inside thing mm-hmm. than an outside mm-hmm. thing. And sort of the definition, so I looked up, I Googled it like earlier. So the definition that Google says of masculinity is possession of qualities traditionally associated with men, handsome, muscled, and driven. He's a prime example of masculinity, which in my mind is actually not super accurate. It's more about, you know, the ability to, yeah, be, be authentically yourself and you can take on roles like that appear to be masculine or not, but it doesn't necessarily define masculinity as itself. And a lot of like research says like it's, you know, or images about sports, like you said, muscle, uh, how you carry yourself, body hair, beard. Um, this is like ideally what it is to be a man, but, um, physical strength and like financial power, these tend to be like heterosexual constructs, mm-hmm. right. Of what masculinity really is. Right. And so you said that it's changed over the years. Like, but now do you see yourself as quite masculine? It depends on the day yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the things that I'm doing and my attitude, uh, because that all changes every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see myself as being masculine and sometimes I don't. I have never liked the sound of my voice. I've always thought that I have um, <laughs> a not particularly masculine voice. Uh, and if I hear myself talking, it makes me feel not very masculine. Right. <laughs> um, but generally, as I say, since I have matured and gotten older, I see the things that are inside me that, you know, my integrity and my self-assurance mm. uh, as being defining who I am. Mm-hmm. And if for some people that is masculine, then yes, I am masculine. So it kind of takes on a separate role of more like internal values and confidence levels. That's right. But it's funny that you talked about voice because since I started this podcast, like I have to listen to my own voice every week (laughs) for like a good half an hour. And in the beginning I was like, Ooh, that sounds so gay, (laughs) you know, but now I'm getting used to it. And then like I, like you said, she, like I have days where it's up and down, like I feel Mm -hmm. masculine or I don't, Mm -hmm. but how do you think a man, like a young man is shaped into being masculine or not, or or how they define themselves as masculine. Like, how does that process sort of go? Uh, well, it definitely has a lot to do with what is instilled in them as children. Right. Um, if they are encouraged to be themselves and to accept themselves for who they are, I think that they won't have as traditional a view of masculinity. Right. I was brought up with an extremely overbearing masculine father. Mm. Um, and he never told me that I had to be a certain way, but it, it just, it was implied. It was assumed. It's an expectation. Yeah. 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 It's weird. Uh, and not just that, but it's the people, the, the, the kids who are your friends, you know, what, what kind of person are they? Yeah. Um, because even if they don't bully you into being what you don't want to be or what you aren't. Just the fact of whether you admire them or not for different physical or, Mm -hmm. or even their personality. If that is masculine and you want to be that, then you're going to try to go down that road. Right. And for some people that is doable. And for others, because of their physicality, Mm -hmm. they will never be what 
society says is masculine. Right. And I think that that's not in their genes. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you hear someone, um, speak and you say, Oh, wow. (laughs) That, that even if you don't see them, you, you don't see them as masculine. Right. You're just hearing their voice. And there's nothing that they can do about that. Maybe they can for short periods of time. Or try it. It's like every moment you would have to be trying to fake your own voice. Exactly. And that isn't authentic. Right. Right. Yes. That's interesting because I kind of came across this like label of, or not label, but this idea of being able to accrue more masculine capital by doing certain things to try to like, you know, I don't know, I guess maybe get people to see you as more masculine. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, changing your voice, trying to talk in a more deep voice, Uh, (laughs) which doesn't work for me. Um, uh, Do you think that there is action that people can take or that they should take if they feel like they want to be more masculine? No, I don't think so at all. Um, I, I think that there are things that if a person feels that what they are doing isn't actually them. Yeah. Um, that sure they should try different avenues, right? But you should never, ever try to be something that you aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you do it well mm-hmm. and you are able to convince everyone around you, it is damaging. It's so internally, right? oh yes. yeah, yeah, emotionally, yeah. Because then you're just not living as yourself. That's right. Well, and I think that that's a good message for a lot of young people because. I remember feeling like I grew up in a rural town in Kamloops in the interior of BC. And I just felt like, you know, all these kids, like maybe they hit puberty quicker than I did. And like, they're tall and muscular. And I was like, I felt like just this little Femi sissy boy. And, you know, I was called that I was called fag. And I just felt like I just wasn't going to be masculine. Like it's not in the cards for me. And trying to embrace that feminine side was very difficult Mm. because everywhere around me, it was like, you're not who you're supposed to be. You're not a man. I didn't have my dad around much. And then, you know, just like, you're already not a man because you're feminine. And then you're also gay. You're really not a man. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what society and the media, like, implied to me. And I believed it, you know? Yes. Um, So what about for for your experience coming out? What was that like? Um, Like, how old were you when that happened? I was 28 years old. Right, right. Uh... A little bit later in the game than a lot of people these days. Was later in the game. Right. Um, It was surprisingly easy. I had spent all of my adult life since puberty um, being terrified that people would find out that I'm gay. Right. Um, And then when it happened, um, my oldest sister happened to see uh, some of the... um, history on the computer that I was working on and oh, uh, no. yeah, it kind of, um, Some was pretty obvious pornography. Maybe? So she confronted me and asked me if I was gay. And so I told her I was, wow. and that sister doesn't know how to keep it secret. And she Oops. immediately told my other two sisters and my mother. Um, and there I was, I was out to my family. Wow. In an instant. <laughs> in an instant. That's right. Yeah. And I guess really, I'm like, I, I don't uh, harbor any ill feelings toward my sister for doing that because um, my family were so supportive. Right. Surprisingly. I mean, they're... Even with the church sort of religious yeah, background. Yeah, with their religious background, they were still very much wanted me to know that they love me no matter what. Now, that hasn't necessarily been the truth over the years. Right. Um, but never... There's never been hatred. It's just that, you know, they've been having a struggle supporting me in everything that I do. 
based on sort of your life choices over the years and yeah that's right yeah or my attitudes I think maybe my attitudes about myself is what bothers my parents the most and that's probably one of the areas I've seen change in you the most over the years it's sort of like a different level of Mm self-acceptance or change in what you want for yourself in your life which I guess that can be brought back to masculinity as well you know like defining who you are takes time that's right right um yes and it's it's about the the difference between self-awareness and self-acceptance yes i was aware that i was gay but i certainly didn't accept it myself right and if i don't accept it myself how can other people accept me yeah so that's the message for everyone really that's right yes no no matter what your situation is Mm mm-hmm do you feel like you passed as a straight man for a long time, or do you still feel like that? You know? um, I think I passed to most as a straight man, Yeah, and I was one of those people who um, did everything I could to to ensure that nobody knew. Mm. Um, so that means I did my best to be as masculine as I could. So when I came out to some people, they said, oh, we knew all along. Um, <laughs> and when I came out to other people, they were shocked. So I think it depends on how aware other people are, right? And how accepting people are of the first impression. Right. Um, And how close they are to you and sort of the mannerisms that they see. Yes, but not even close to me. Because some of the people that I told I hadn't known for very long. And they said, as soon as you opened your mouth, I knew you were gay. Oh, wow. (laughs) Whereas I had had, um, a guy who I was rooming with, Mm -hmm. uh, who when I told him, I was gay. Yeah. He was dumbfounded. He said, Hod, that's the last thing I would have ever thought about you. Wow. And I said, yes, but you're living with me. So sooner or later, you were going to figure out (laughs) how different I was. Right. For sure. Um, I think that people tend to put on that persona like they do want to try to pass. Like I was desperate. It wasn't working for me because I wasn't as masculine and didn't appear it. But I think a lot of people spend a lot of time in the gym and, you know, grow facial hair or do what they want to, you know, try to do to, again, accrue that masculine, I don't know, capital, I guess, to try to pass as a straight Mm -hmm. man. So that's uh, an ongoing journey to finding yourself, I suppose. But I think that kind of can also be seen in sort of the sexual roles that people play in gay relationships. So the whole top versus bottom, um, a lot of society I think has in the past or maybe still does sees the top as like the more dominant, the masculine role and the bottom, you know, as the more feminine side or the receiver, I guess. I don't know. I think that that's an interesting structure that society's placed on like gender stereotypes within gay relationships. And I always saw, because I was not very masculine or maybe not very muscular, that I would have to be, like, I would have to be the bottom. Like, that's just the role that I would have to take on based on society's sort of, you know, impression of what that looks like in a gay relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's because all that society has for a benchmark is heterosexual relationships. Right. And the woman who is not the masculine is you know, so close to 100% the bottom mm-hmm. that it just, it carries over. Right. Um, that the person who is least masculine is the bottom. Right. As for myself and how I feel about that, um, mm. I am a top, not because I think it's more masculine, but just because that's who I am. Right. Um, but I actually see, 
a bottom as being maybe even more, um, maybe stronger. That's the word I'm looking for. Stronger. Stronger. Um, and I definitely, uh, try to give them more control as to, you know, leading the, um, the, the situation, the right. experience, because I see that their role, um, is a lot more involved <laughs> than mine is. <laughs> there's a little preparation. There's a little bit of mental. That's the thing. You know, it's, like, yes. de-stress, relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's interesting that you said that because being a bottom, I, I used to feel like I, I had to be like submissive and just sort of like that was my role. But then as I've experienced life and relationships and different sexual escapades, like I really feel like now I know what I like, like know what I want. Someone labeled me as an alpha bottom because <laughs> I definitely am a bottom, but I know like I, I dictate sort of like what's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And even in the BDSM community, like there's a little bit more like, no, the bottom's actually the one in control, Mm -hmm. you know, and dictates what's okay and like what goes on. I find that, um, when I am with a bottom who, um, I'm not saying is, is more dominant, but a bottom who will direct the situation, um, that the sex is much better. Right. Just because I'm not saying, is this okay? Um, should I be doing this? Because I know it's mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's a little bit more organic that way. Too. That's right. Which in my mind, if that is happening, that, um, that plays into the concept of what masculinity is for mm-hmm. both of us. Right. And I definitely feel like as a bottom, like I've had to be pretty tough to take some of the <laughs> experience that I've had. <laughs> so I don't know if that changes someone's perception, but, uh, but this does, this has led me to feeling like less than a man because of my sexuality in general, though. I don't know if that's an experience you've had as well. Just the fact that you're gay at all, has that made you feel like less than a man? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have always found, um, until recently, I have felt um, like I am, because of my sexuality, that I am unworthy of someone's respect, that mm. I'm unworthy of um, someone's love. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many things, uh, that when you're taught that what you are is wrong, you, it makes you feel less than on in so many ways, not just as a man, but yeah. less than as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a common experience for a lot of people. There was a journalist who wrote an article, uh, Matt Cain in the guardian. He had a survey in attitude magazine, which is a gay magazine. And what you just said is what a lot of people experience. 69% of people say that they've made, been made to feel less than a man because they were gay or bisexual or queer, which I think that a lot of people just don't talk about, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I didn't even identify that that's what was going on for me. Like I just felt uncomfortable being gay in general, but I didn't actually understand that what I was also feeling was that I wasn't living up to society's expectation of what being a man is, which is difficult. Yes. Oh yeah, because when you know that it isn't even possible, yeah, like it's not even possible to to be what everyone expects that you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very daunting. Yeah. Uh, even though I, the way I was brought up, being gay wasn't even mentioned. Right. Uh, it's not something that my parents spoke against. Um, it just wasn't around. It wasn't around, and it wasn't um, accepted. In general, like socially, mm-hmm. I remember being called 
I don't know if the word gay was used, but, mm, you know, something, uh, like, that. something yeah. like that, saying that I was a homosexual when I was a kid. And I know how horrible it felt because right. it was said in a, in a derogatory way. Yeah. And you're like, I don't even know what this means for me yet. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's how I felt too, being called fag before I even knew what that meant. Yes. Just and I mean, I had a very bad experience as a child. My oldest sister was engaged to a man who she found out was cheating on her with men. Oh, and so it was it a horrible bad. experience in our household because he was like a part of our, of our family. Mm-hmm. And I saw that I remember the day so clearly I saw the day that my sister confronted him and she, it hurt her so bad. Yeah. And so that gave me a very negative outlook on what gay was too. Right. And I didn't even know exactly what was going on. I asked my mom and she said, well, someday maybe you'll understand. Right. And I don't know how prophetic she meant to be, but yeah, no. <laughs> I definitely understood someday. <laughs> right. And, uh, so that's, yeah, that puts a negative portrayal of what being gay is. And then bringing it back to when you're young too, like if you show just a little bit of femininity, like I felt like I was more effeminate, my voice was higher again, not as masculine appearing, um, and having that feeling of shame, mm-hmm. like being shamed for having a quality that appears as more feminine and less masculine. That's like a really devastating experience for a lot of young people. Did you ever feel like you were shamed for having feminine qualities? Yes. Actually, uh, one of my, um, my parents' friends, um, she came to my mother when I was probably about 13 or 14 Mm -hmm. and asked my mother if she had considered taking me to the doctor to see if maybe there was something wrong with me that my voice wasn't changing the way it should be. Oh my gosh. And one of my sisters told me about that and it made me feel horrible. Yeah. And I was embarrassed for my mother too, because I know that my mother uh, acted extremely offended that the lady would even say something yeah. to her about that. And I thought, you know, this is my mother standing up for me, but really inside I am gay and my, my mother shouldn't be standing up for me because it's wrong. So you felt like you had to apologize for exactly. yourself. Yes. And that's, that's also really hard. Mm-hmm. No one should have to apologize for their own, like who they are as a person. Yeah, it's just so hard to learn who you are and to be okay with it. It just takes time and experience. But also, I think the difference between growing up in a small town versus in a more metropolitan, you know, neighborhood these days, there's just more exposure. Like I grew up in a small town and then when I moved to the city and all of a sudden I saw a gay community, I was like, oh, wow, like this is this is okay. Mm-hmm. Like I can be me. Like that's something I just didn't know before that. That's the thing about about being um gay in a city is that you can, you can make yourself invisible to the communities that you want to be invisible to. And you can become a part of the communities that you want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Whereas in rural, like smaller places, um, you are far more stuck in whatever role people see you as you can't decide that I'm going to be whatever I want to be in this group, but I will go back to being what I, what everyone else wants me to be in this group. Yeah. I heard someone on a podcast recently, Jay Shetty, he was a monk and he said something around like, I am okay. If I think that you think that I'm what I should be, it's like this perception of, if I think that you think that I'm masculine, then I'm masculine. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, sure. 
because then if if you feel like someone is seeing you mm-hmm. in a certain light then you are that then thing. you are that thing because it's easy to be that if that person already thinks that of you yeah yeah uh, which is can be positive or can be negative right like if if someone that you really want to see you as masculine sees you as feminine then it seems as though everything you do <laughs> everything you do the way you sound everything um in front of that person is like hyper feminine oh and that's just like when you sort of pinpoint like everything you do and you kind of identify with all the things that you think you are as being wrong all of a sudden yes based on someone else's perception it makes life so difficult it sure does <laughs> do you think that masculinity can be fluid though like how like how it it differs between straight and gay culture i think that masculinity it's defined differently, right? So mm-hmm. how can it be fluid? Like, how can we accept the fluidity in masculinity? I think that we can see, we can see it as being, um, something different for straight culture, mm-hmm. um, and be okay with that because, because there are so many differences between straight and gay culture mm-hmm. that, so why can't the perception of masculinity be different for straight people? than for gay people. Right. I mean, of course they will overlap. They will mesh. Um, it will change. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like everything else, there is different perceptions in different communities. Right. I read a really good book by Lewis Howes called the masks of masculinity. And so he talks about uh, specific masks that men wear to hide their vulnerability to, to appear more masculine. And I think that some of them can be, he doesn't really talk too much about gay culture at all, but uh, it can definitely be related to. So some of the masks that I kind of identified with are that the material masks, like pe- men feel like they need to have sort of material success or um, money equals masculinity, you know, being able to prov- provide uh, the sexual mask, like being able to have many sexual experiences and conquer, you know, and. I think that that's really prevalent in the gay community. Like maybe being able to be hypersexual allows me to feel more masculine, you know? Yes. I think I have experienced all of those. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking at them on the screen for all the listeners. So there's like a number of them, the stoic mask where you, you know, you end up being trying to be tough and not as emotional or being athletic and competitive to appear masculine. And again, the material, the sexual mask, the aggressive mask coming off as aggressive, um, the Joker mask, making jokes to avoid, you know, emotional situations where you have to show your feelings, uh, can be really uncomfortable for people. Also being invincible or being the know-it-all and especially being alpha, being the alpha mask. Um, what he really talks about, which is interesting is like being able to take off those masks to show your vulnerability, uh, and have equal roles, a balance, I guess, in your ability to, you know, engage in some of these masks. Like, being sexual is not a problem. Being, you know, a tough guy, it's not a problem. But when you only are those things, when you don't allow yourself to show your true authentic self, like to you were saying earlier. To the of all else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes people can't take those masks off. It's just too scary. Yeah, it, because it has defined them, who, it has defined who they are for so long. Yeah. That they actually believe that that mask is them. And that's what you have to be. That's, yeah, To be exactly. accepted in the world. Yes. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, shifting into sort of, uh, maybe online dating apps or just hookups in general, do you think that 
you get more action as a man that's, you know, with more muscle or facial hair. Um, based on sort of looking at the apps that I've been on, like some of them are, yeah, that's what you're looking at. Like it's very image centric. It's very muscle, uh, you know, very focused on like certain apps are designated just to that, like scruff the app. Mm -hmm. It's like, typically you're looking for someone that's a little bit more like a little heavier, has muscle or has more weight to them, more facial hair, even receding hairlines, like are a significance of, you know, a male aesthetic. Do you think that having those qualities increases your chances of getting action? Yes, but I want to qualify that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, ten years ago, I had not yet accepted myself for who I was, or I hadn't figured out, maybe that's the word, I hadn't figured out who I was sexually. Right. And so I was um, in a bodybuilding competition, so I was shaving my body completely. Right. Yeah, I remember um, that. I... Uh, I was working hard for a six pack and, you know, all the stuff that goes with the bodybuilding and I was not having good sex. Hmm. Like it was hit and miss. Right. Sure. I had good sex sometimes. Um, but then about five years ago, I realized if I just let my hair grow on my body Hmm. and it does very well, (laughs) um, and grew a beard Hmm. that I would be attracting the kind of people, um, who I wanted Right. The problem with before is that I was attracting the kind of people who, who I wanted to be, to be like, or to to be be like, I was trying to be like the people who I wanted to be attracted to me, which, which was uh, very counterproductive. So as soon as I figured out who I was and what, um, what the people who I was attracted to were looking for, uh, which thank God is the body type that I am. Right. Um, then I have gotten as much sex as I want whenever, however, with the people that you want to be happy with, I want to be with having yeah. it with. And so therefore sex is an, as a rule, incredible. Right. Yeah. Do you think that apps though can sometimes perpetuate the, the need to fit in a box, like the mask for mask, like yes. that's such an interesting dynamic and sometimes people even in their profiles i think i talked about this in an episode a few episodes ago about you know the preference and being able to say like i only want mask dudes and and again the definition of masculinity is different between people so but i think sometimes apps portray that you have to fit in a box Mm -hmm. right yes that's right with with labels and i mean it's Mm -hmm. so easy yeah it's the easiest thing ever to attach a label to someone on so many different, um, uh, boxes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're a bottom, they're, uh, feminine, they're, um, twink. Yeah. Like none of what's those, your tribe, right. None yeah. of those necessarily, uh, go together, but each of them is its own box. Well, and the more you actually meet up with someone, like the fact that they're a bottom is very little of actually who they are. That's right. And the attraction doesn't just come from a sexual position or a beard. Yeah. It from the connection with the person as, as they are. So that's another good message. I think for young people, it's like, you can, you know, label yourself all you want, but it's not actually going to define who you are. That's right. Right. Um, I think that there's some interesting statistics. Again, that survey in the attitude magazine said that 24% of people on these apps have tried to come across as more masculine when communicating <laughs> with people. 
which says something like we're, we're trying to be something that we're not all the time. We're trying to be more masculine than we actually see ourselves as. It also said that 71% of uh, those surveys said that they were turned off by signs of femininity in a man. And again, that goes back to saying like only mask dudes, you know, I only want to talk to masculine guys, but that's kind of like, we're not only, uh, you know, dissing ourselves, we're dissing what like femininity is in gay culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's true. And I have been, I have been that person who would say that I've been turned off by femininity, but I, I've becoming, I'm coming to realize that femininity as I see it, and maybe many other people see it, isn't actually femininity. No. Like I'm, I have often equated, um, bitchiness mm. with femininity. Um, <laughs> and it isn't necessarily. No, or, anyone um, can be. <laughs> or being, uh, extremely fem- flamboyant. Right. Yes, that's feminine, but that isn't the, the only thing that femininity is. Right. Right. Um, so I think that the negative things about femininity that we see as femininity, yes, it's, it's does turn people off, Mm -hmm. but that isn't necessarily what femininity is in general. Right. So it's more about maybe people just seeing like their emotions or their sensitivity. Um, exactly. Like that's what I felt. There's there's nothing wrong with crying. And, um, because of the way I was brought up, I, I am find it very difficult to cry because it's because that was seen as a feminine trait. Yeah. And I no longer see that. Uh, Yes. Softness. Yeah. Sensitivity. Um, well, he's sensitive. That was seen as a negative trait, Mm -hmm. but these are all feminine things that are, um, some things that I, that I want for myself. Mm -hmm. I covet those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Even as we're sitting here, I just sort of notice how we're sitting. Like I'm sitting here with my legs crossed, leaning to one side and hard sitting like, you know, upright legs spread apart, hands, you know, together. Uh, just, and I, I remember like when I met you too, like I felt like I, like I'm definitely way different than you are. Mm -hmm. And that softness and my sensitivity over the years, like I've learned to embrace it and allow that to be one of my strengths as opposed to one of my weaknesses, which is what I originally thought, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I definitely have super gay moments. Uh, -hmm. (laughs) again, listening to my voice just uh, on this podcast, I often think, wow, my, my interview subject sounds much more masculine than me. Um, but this is even, you know, shifts into how I perceive masculinity through media. So like, I never, I never would have watched uh, RuPaul's Drag Race for the longest time because I felt like, oh, that's too gay. You know, that's not masculine. There's all these boys running around in dresses. And now it's like one of the shows that I absolutely love because the show shows people that are unapologetically themselves, you know, people that are willing to just be, you know, being emotional, being sissy, being just softer, being feminine, walking around in heels and dresses like that shows people that are they're just not afraid of what people think. And that is a strong message, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Do you think that media is shifting when it shapes how people perceive masculinity? I think it's changing with the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it it can be just as damaging as it it has been for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because of, because of communication, 
expanding the way it has, um, we do see a lot more, well, things like RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, that would never, never. ever have been on TV. So, yeah. I mean, that in itself, I guess, is changing some things. Right. Um, I don't think, though, that masculinity, the general public's idea of masculinity is changing um, as far as the media goes. Um, in my opinion, it's just as, <laughs> it's just as stereotypical right. as it ever was, or maybe more so, right. you know, because it seems as though men are, uh, becoming more mus more muscular, like beards are more in fashion than right. they used yeah, to be. Yeah, that's true. For the yeah. last, I mean, a hundred years ago, they were in fashion. But, but now it's a trend. Now it's a trend. Like a big one. Because of the media. Yeah. And so that is playing into this is what masculinity is. If you can't grow a beard, then you are shit out of luck. <laughs> right. Uh, that sort of makes me think of when I was younger. Like, I didn't feel like there was any role models to look up to. Like, there wasn't a show like Drag Race. There wasn't... I didn't know about people like Dan Savage that were, you know, pioneering sort of being open about your sexuality and yeah, just there was no one to look up to. And so now when I see people like there was one of the, uh, one of the uh, judges on RuPaul's Drag Race, Ross Matthews, he, you know, he's got like a very high little voice. I know it's surprising. And it's, he responded to someone, I think it was a politician's message about to young people, like hopefully they won't have to grow up to become like Ross Matthews. And it was a big diss to him. And so he posted this response video that I'll, I'll place on the website. But it's all about him basically saying, encouraging young people to be themselves mm-hmm. and to embrace that different part of yourself that doesn't fit into society, which is what we talked about this whole time. Yes. Uh, and at least now, I think that media, yeah, maybe it does push you know, in both directions. But at least now there's access for young people to look for someone you know, to look for a role model, someone that they can listen to, hear a message from that tells them like, Hey, it's okay to be you. So maybe it's twofold. Maybe media can sensationalize the negativity that comes with the pressure of being masculine, but also provides access. That's true. Yeah. What do you think it's going to take for people to get over expectations and pressure to be mask? I think that it's going to take, um, more awareness Mm-hmm. Um, in everybody's life, whether that comes from just experiencing, uh, because as time goes by, um, it seems that it's being more accepted to be gay. And yeah. so people are coming out at a younger age. Mm-hmm. And once, once that has become more accepted, I think that our ideas of masculinity are going to change. Mm-hmm. And so they are changing slowly over the years as being gay becomes more normalized. Right. And maybe that is also because of media. It's just, yeah, we're everywhere now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have any suggestions on like how people can reach that level of self acceptance? Like you've come a long way from even when I met you coming out of the ministry and defining who you are. Like, how did you get here to where you are now, where you have accepted yourself? Like you're very confident in who you are. How do people get there? Um, it's, it has been 
experiences for me, yeah. uh, it's which have taught me about myself. So it's not something if someone had sat me down when I was 28 years old and said, these are the things you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to go through these experiences. This is what you need to know. That would not have done it for me at all because it's, it's a, it's a progression, right? Yeah. And so take every experience, uh, no matter if it's a horrible experience or if it's a good experience mm-hmm. as a learning experience, right? Um, because you are learning how to be you. Nobody knows how to be them right at first, but as you get older, as you grow, as you experience, as you recognize, this is how I deal with this. Uh, it was it good. Was it bad? Yeah. Um, this is what I need to change about myself. And when you hear yourself saying things, is this the real me or yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it's just, it's getting to know you. And so maybe it's about questioning that more often. Yes. Who am I? Do I like how I feel in this situation? Do exactly. I like the people that I'm surrounding myself with? What's the what's the attitude that I'm trying to portray? And how how can I become the best version of myself? That's right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we've uh, dived into masculinity a little bit, and I think that yeah, I think the message for people out there is just about thinking about what, what you see in media or in your friend group. Um, like, does that need to be something that I have to be, or is there stuff about me that I actually don't mind about myself when I'm alone, that I'm not like, there's no pressure to be something else. Uh, how can I just sort of accept that? So I think that, um, yeah, if anyone's got any questions or wants to reach out to me or Hod, please, uh, uh, send a message on the website or through Instagram. You can check me out at Journey to Jeremy. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, Hod, before we sign off here? We've talked a lot about sort of your experience and your uh, journey to self-acceptance and where you are today. Uh, I think just um, this experience has taught me something. It's be really open to talking about how you feel about mm-hmm. your own masculinity or somebody else's masculinity or femininity. Um, because talking about it, being asked questions like this, yeah, it may, has made me realize, uh, it's made me dive into myself and say, how do I feel about that? And where did that come from? And yeah. why, uh, why do I have such a strong opinion on that? Right. Um, so, uh, welcome dialogue because it shows a lot about yourself. Cool. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Again, it comes back to being willing to question, where did I learn this? Where did this mm-hmm. value come from? This value inside me that tells me that I'm not good enough. It's often based on society's message that you received somewhere along the line. Uh, and it's rewriting that story. I think that's one of the main things that I want to get through to people on this podcast is like, you can redefine who you are, and who you can be, you just have to ask questions. That's right. Right. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you a lot for being on the show. Uh, again, if anyone wants to reach out, um, feel free to leave a comment on the website, journey worthy.com. That's journey number two worthy.com or reach out to me on Instagram at journey to Jeremy. Again, journey number two Jeremy, or you can, uh, go right to iTunes and leave a message, leave a rating or review. And uh, I'll also leave some contact information for HOT on the website. Um, But yeah, thanks again for joining us. And we'll see you next week, everyone. 